Five. Kaspar Hauser. One of the best-known cases of people without an identity is undoubtedly that of Kaspar Hauser. This young man, wearing badly torn clothes, was detained in a square in Nuremberg, Germany, on the 26th of May, 1828. In his hands, he clutched an envelope containing two letters. The first was addressed to Captain von Wessenich, the commander of a cavalry regiment, and contained a request to look after the young man. The second was allegedly written by the boy's mother, who wished him to follow in his late father's footsteps and join the army. When the boy was found, he was about 16 years old, and the only thing he could say or write was the name Kaspar Hauser. Many of those who examined these two letters believed that they were written by someone who had found the wandering boy and no longer had the means to support him. He recalled fragments of memories which he later wrote down as soon as he had learned to read and write. He claimed he'd been locked up in a dark room for many years and that someone had brought him food and water. Hauser's story caused a real sensation at the time and massive popular interest ensured he made a pretty good living out of his own mystery, which was, of course, his obscure origins. But such popularity also had its disadvantages as he was the victim of numerous assassination attempts. Sadly, in 1833, one such attempt proved fatal when he was stabbed to death by an unknown man. Hauser's grim fate only added to the mystery surrounding his life and the intense speculation about his true origins. One popular theory suggests that the young man was the legitimate but unwanted heir of a high-ranking German aristocrat, believed by some to be the Prince of Baden. Whatever the truth may be, he certainly accomplished what others can only dream of achieving, as Caspar Hauser remains to this day one of the most iconic names associated with the city of Nuremberg. Four. The Green Children of Woolpit. The tale of the mysterious Green Children of Woolpit began in 1173 near the village of Woolpit, about 60 miles northwest of the city of London. Two twin children, a boy and a girl, suddenly appeared in the village dressed in clothes unknown at that time or in that area. Stranger still, they spoke in an unknown language and had an odd light green complexion. The villagers welcomed the children and tried to help them. The siblings were in very poor physical shape and refused to eat any food offered to them. Curiously, the only thing their stomachs could bear was green beans. Unfortunately, the boy did not survive this continual and inexplicable suffering. His sister, however, was more fortunate and before long she recovered, gradually losing the greenish pallor of her skin. Where did the children come from? And why did their skin display that mysterious green tinge? One theory is that it was basically anemia, the so-called green illness in the Middle Ages, 
hence the legend of the green skin. According to another hypothesis, the children were actually wealthy orphans poisoned by their guardian, the Earl of Norfolk, who wanted to get his hands on the property they had inherited, leaving them to wander in the woods near Woolpit. But how would you explain the fact that the children did not understand English? And what about their bizarre and unfamiliar clothing? As you might expect, there was also a theory that the twins came from another planet. Such speculations are not a peculiarity of modern times. Already in the 17th century, the English intellectual elite began to reflect on the idea that we are not alone in the universe. The extraterrestrial theory was backed up by reported sightings of strange colored lights moving through the sky in 1173, the same year the children turned up in Woolpit. A more down-to-earth explanation is based on the fact that during the 12th century, many Flemish immigrants arrived in eastern England. They were persecuted during the reign of Henry II, and many of them lost their lives at the Battle of Fornham in 1173. The twins might have been orphans who spoke Flemish and wore typical Flemish dress. The truth will probably never be known. The Man in the Iron Mask Who could resist being hypnotized by a mysterious face hidden behind an iron mask or being intrigued by the secrets surrounding it? The story of the Man in the Iron Mask, an enigmatic prisoner whose identity was shrouded in mystery, was made famous chiefly thanks to Alexander Dumas and his novel, The Viscount of Bragelon, 10 years later. In the novel, the mysterious prisoner was revealed to be a member of the royal family and the rightful, though undesirable, heir to the throne. Who was the man with the face no one was allowed to see and the name no one was allowed to speak? One theory, based on the serious study of historical sources, claims that the prisoner's real name was Eustache Doger. We know that a man of that name really did exist. He was the chamberlain of the extraordinarily powerful cardinal Jules Mazarino, prime minister of France and the most influential man in the kingdom. Eustache Doger's identity as the man in the iron mask is, however, contradicted by a written imprisonment order from the court of the Marquis de Louvois, Louis XIV's Minister of State for War. In that document, it is quite obvious that the name of the prisoner was written in, probably later, in another hand. In one of the letters, the minister asked the king to punish an officer in the French army, one Vivien de Boulogne, who cravenly deserted his post during a military operation. The minister explicitly writes that he should only be allowed to leave the prison in a mask. Was the man in the iron mask truly an ordinary deserter? Unfortunately, the dates of his imprisonment are not available. The Bastille's most closely guarded secret 
still awaits a convincing answer. Two, the man from Tare. Strange as it may seem, our next mysterious and still unidentified person became mainly famous because of his place of origin. The only problem being that this place is to be found nowhere on Earth. In 1954, a bizarre and baffling incident took place at Haneda Airport in Tokyo. A middle-aged white male, dressed in European clothes, approaches the check-in counter. He presents the airline personnel with a very credible-looking passport. The only problem is, it was issued by a non-existent country called Torrid. The staff ask him to show them his home country on the map. Without hesitation, the man points to the mountainous border region between France and Spain, just where the tiny principality of Andorra is situated. He speaks French to the airport officials and tries to convince them that there is no such place as Andorra in his home country, while Torred has a thousand-year-long history. The most curious thing seems to be that the passport already contains several stamps, suggesting it has been used to visit Japan repeatedly in the past. Because he's now suspected of being a spy, the mysterious man has to undergo several hours of interrogation. When he complains of being tired, he is moved to a hotel, and a police guard is placed outside his room. In the morning, the policemen find that the man has disappeared without a trace, although there's no way he could have left by the door. Even more alarmingly, the man's passport, driver's license, and checkbook have disappeared from a locked room at the airport. Mystery lovers, however, seized on it as proof of the existence of parallel dimensions. According to them, the man from Torred, perhaps unwittingly, entered our dimension in 1954 and in some mysterious way returned to his own plane of existence, either on his own or with outside help. One, Babushka Lady. The assassination of John Fitzgerald Kennedy on the 22nd of November 1963 was without a doubt one of the most momentous events in modern history. Everything that transpired in Dallas on that tragic day and everything that was captured on photograph or film has been subjected to minute analysis and has given rise to countless conspiracy theories. Many of them include a woman known around the world as the Babushka Lady. The use of the Russian word Babushka refers both to the possible involvement of the Russian Secret Service in the assassination and the particular headscarf the Babushka Lady is wearing, typical for older Russian women. She is clearly discernible in various amateur cine films, capturing the fateful November day on Dealey Plaza Standing on the grass between Main Street and Elm Street, holding a camera, or cine-camera, and recording the dramatic events. At the time, there were obviously no CCTV cameras, and because on most of the film footage and photographs her face is covered, it was not possible to compile a face composite. 
Certainly, the shots came from more than one direction. There had to be a conspiracy. Despite the efforts of both the FBI and private investigators to trace her, she never responded to their summons and never provided her pictures of the event. This only helped to fuel the curiosity surrounding her involvement. Seven years after the assassination, however, events take an unexpected turn. In 1970, a woman named Beverly Oliver goes public and claims to be the mysterious babushka lady. The public is obviously very keen to see what, if anything, she captured on film, but Beverly claims that her material has already been confiscated by two FBI agents. So who was the mysterious woman, really? Why has she never submitted her film to the authorities? What led her to react so differently from the other bystanders while filming that terrible scene? Was she 